You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. It is that time of year. End of December, New Year's Eve is around the corner. Everyone's thinking about New Year's resolutions, how they're going to be their best self, how they're going to lose this weight, how they're going to have the best skin of their life. I think all of that is great and wonderful and good, but self-improvement is a year-long process. It's something that we should think about all the time. It's something that I talked to my guest, Sarah Unger, about. Um, Sarah's a colleague of mine, and she's incredibly thoughtful, and she knows a lot about wellness, so I was really excited to have her as a guest. And one of the lessons that uh, I kind of learned from Sarah in my discussion with her was around gentleness and how important it is to just be gentle to yourself and take the time to invest in yourself and treat yourself well. This is a long episode, as they all are, so I encourage you all to just take some time and relax, spread some warm honey on your face. That's a great face mask, by the way. If you just warm up honey for like 30 seconds, raw honey, and and put on your face and rinse it off, your skin's amazing. Do that. Take a bath. Make your own sugar scrub. Do whatever you need to do to relax and feel beautiful, especially coming out of this really busy holiday season. I don't know about you guys, but I've had back-to-back holiday parties and lots of cookies and champagne, and it's all good for the soul, but bad for the skin. So take some time to recharge and think about bringing a really good energy with you into the new year. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't give yourself unattainable goals. Kind of keep this idea of gentleness in mind. have Sarah Unger here with me. We're going to talk about beauty and self-care and wellness. And actually, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was that distinction between beauty and self-care. It seems superficial, or I hate telling people basically that I have a beauty podcast, (laughs) because I think people think that I'm talking about mascara and blush and what face mask I tried, I talk about that too, but I love the article that you sent to me about self-care being this kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. feminist act and how important it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny that you even mentioned the word beauty because I remember about a year or two ago, I took a photography class through the um, place I was employed at the time, and they talked about the word beauty in and of itself and mm-hmm. how when you say beauty, it's loaded with associations that are usually, usually cosmetic or fashion-related. Yes. Yes. When And I, I don't know off the top of my head what the definition is, but when you essentially cut all that back and just look at the word beauty, it's more related to sort of what the eye catches in the world and what yes. you find happiness and joy in. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not the Oxford definition, but in essence, since that's kind of what it means. So it almost seems like when you take sort of beauty from that perspective, it does translate a little bit more into self-worth and, yes. um, you know, why you would prioritize and see yourself as an item that's worth investing in, perhaps. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like that idea about investing in yourself. Yeah. I think that very often beauty's looked at in this very simplistic, mm-hmm. almost... I don't know, patriarchal way that's basically seen as women that are bored and have lots of extra income and maybe they're narcissistic. So they want to 
take Pilates all day and get their nails done. And <laughs> ladies who lunch, yeah. Ladies who lunch, right? Yeah. Um, but in that article, they talked about kind of like how the Black Panthers set up like wellness clinics all around mm-hmm. the neighborhood to get women to understand that taking care of yourself is actually incredibly important and it helps to build communities and movements. Completely. I think even when you look at sort of something like facials or applying moisturizer every day that could, you know, in the past have been seen as a very sort of feminine oil of Olay cream activity as, you know, a woman in her nightstand in the powder room. Now it's like a sort of skin cancer preventative measure (laughs) that's, you know, a must do the way superfoods are a must eat. And it's more about your body as a temple than than having um, more time on your hands to file your nails per se so you know it's funny it's like the same activities it's just now we almost um have reevaluated the worth and you know how to Mm -hmm. where to spend your time and beauty's not seen as such a uh, shallow endeavor so to speak so in terms of your own journey in wellness when did you become self-aware about your own beauty, wellness, and health routine? Was there a dramatic departure from like a previous lifestyle and you kind of got it together at a certain point? Or is it a journey where you're just evolving over time? Yeah, I think, um, I think as I became of age, you know, high school, college, that is kind of the period where you find yourself generally mm-hmm. and you learn what habits are Um, nature, what are nurture, meaning sort Mm -hmm. of passed on by your familial tendencies. Um, And then you see what else is out there in the world. And you kind of have those three to choose from, Mm -hmm. right? What my intent is based on like biology, what my parents taught me, and then the other options available to me. So I think, um, you know, until you get time in your life to explore and decide for yourself, Mm -hmm. it's hard to really tell what your preferences are in things, including wellness. And I think um, it's when you sort of find that rhythm and routine for yourself, at least for me, I needed to be employed and have some sort Mm -hmm. of regularity in my life in order to figure out where other elements would fit in in a consistent way, such as fitness, such Mm as meal planning, such as meditation. So I think for me, those were things that tended to come together in sort of, I would say mid-20s is Mm -hmm. when I kind of um, at least felt like I knew myself well enough to stop trying anything and everything out and sort of start deciding. you know what industry we work in because we work together. And so I think there's a part of me that's always interested in trends and what's latest and greatest. So I'll always try a lot of different things out in this space, but I think I wasn't really aware of um, sort of my choices as part of a broader lifestyle and its effect on my health um, until sort of mid to late 20s. And, And I would say in a much more acute way in the past two years I'm thinking since probably like 2014 I started taking yeah. a much more active interest it's I joined Equinox actually and that <laughs> and was everything that changed. was when you start actively spending that much money, money. per month yes. towards a fitness membership you right. really start to rethink everything right right you want to yeah. like fortify everything around that investment <laughs> you're like so you're okay like, gotta gotta well. put this to work before when you were doing yeah. you know free yoga to the people classes throughout New York City right. it was a little bit more disposable right right that, that actually <laughs> is an interesting correlation and I think so much of fitness motivation I think you have to have that financial Mm -hmm. loss associated to get yourself there it's really hard oh totally I mean and I I'm not under any guise I feel very fortunate that I'm able to afford a membership to Equinox Um, and I think when I started working in the city I that wasn't something I felt I could afford and so I was much more used to finding free fitness classes which are actually you know, quite readily available mm-hmm. in New York City if you have the time and energy to hunt for them and right. travel across all boroughs. Right. Right. Um, but I think uh, for me, it was sort of a godsend to be able to be at a spot in my life where I could um, kind of make a decision, invest. Yeah. And I think um, at that time, I knew enough people who were also going to Equinox okay. that it became sort of this like community thing. I right. felt this, you know, peer connection it wasn't even that we were going to the gym together although I think at first when I joined Mm -hmm. the gym we Mm -hmm. did that but funny enough it kind of reminded me 
at this age in my parents' life, they had lived in New York City, and that's when gyms were just sort of first mm. being established. Okay. So they used to go to, I can't remember what it was called, but I remember they talk about going to personal training sessions, that's and so JFK funny. Jr. was there. <laughs> and it becomes so, like their social Yeah, circle. so I almost felt like maybe is this my, yeah. my rite of passage yeah. in my mid-20s, yeah. I join a New York City gym, and yeah. <laughs> it becomes like a social thing. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's, you know, the success of Barry's Boot Camp and soul cycle people don't want to go out and drink all night they want to still have endorphins and dance and listen to music but they rather do that in a fitness setting than at a dark club i and what i can't tell and what is really interesting to me is to see people sort of go through their young 20s in this kind of wellness day and age yes because i do still feel like when i was 21 and 22 working out was um it was certainly accepted and believe me we had a a fitness center in college that everyone used um but it just wasn't like cool in the way it is now it was more like you that was a detractor Mm -hmm. from potential happy hours you could be attending and so so because and berries what didn't exist then or at least not in the way it does now so I keep wondering if I had been 21 in that environment I definitely feel like I would have tended towards the sort of healthier end of things but I never know (laughs) I should say that you're speaking as if you're like you know in your late 60s like back in my day you know this this is like a a shift that's happened in the past like three to four years it's like a very kind of recent shift is there yeah. anything that you look back on from high school, mm-hmm. early 20s that you did that you just think like, <laughs> why did I even bother? Why, all, why did I do that? All the time. I mean, I don't think for me it was um, wasted money on beauty ventures or fitness activities per se. I think um, it was more that I didn't prioritize sleep. Mm, <laughs> I would say that was one. the main thing. Um you know, Ariana Huffington and her sleep revolution. Um, just in general, I think I didn't recognize that having that solid chunk of sleep um, is sort of a core foundation to being a functioning and happy member of society. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think growing up, I always um, sort of tended towards falling asleep later at night because those night I was involved in a lot of different activities growing up because I was just I am a curious person yeah. I want to try out a lot of things so those night hours when everyone else is asleep were my time to yep. uh, be creative get things done right unfortunately that time I also discovered later in my life was time I needed to be in bed yes um exactly so i i think perhaps um i wish i had discovered that earlier just because um it does help you sort of handle the uh bumps and curves that life throws at you much better if you're doing it on eight hours (laughs) or seven hours well being well rested (laughs) makes a huge difference in my mood and it's something Mm -hmm. that i've had to explain to umu my husband Mm -hmm. Like, if I don't get to bed at a certain time, I'm going to be in a horrible right. mood right. for no reason. Like, right. I'm just going to be in a, I'm mm-hmm. just going to wake up in a bad mood and stay in a bad mood. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I think it's with the new iOS update. You can now set an alarm for bedtime mm-hmm. as well as when you wake up. And it's so much harder than you, th- really? you think, like, oh, how hard is it to force myself to go to bed an hour earlier? But it's really hard. I'm, it like, is. struggling with it's it. It's a loss. I mean, I think... Um, in any sort of activity, especially now with sort of um, self-care taking off, that means that you have to reprioritize. So activities that may well be enjoyable and pleasurable to mm-hmm. you might have to get you know pushed down on the totem pole. So um, you know we work in TV. I love TV. I love watching yeah. TV. It may mean that I watch a little less TV. Right. There's also less time between when one day ends and the next feels like it begins. So it's almost like, I remember when I first started kind of exploring the topic, we described it, it's a sense of loss, right? And at any time you prioritize an activity over the other, you're essentially losing one. Mm -hmm. And that hurts a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you think some of it has to do with like deep-seated childhood (laughs) memories of your parents telling you go to bed go to bed and kind of 
as a young person, you want to rebel and stay up late past yeah. your bedtime. Does some of it feel like maybe we're like still rebelling against that? I, you know, I, I think that certainly must be part of it for a lot of people. Of graphic designers, and so I kind of remember this spirit of them up late working on art that's projects. Cool. Okay. So I think that's actually what kind of instilled uh, in me this late night tendency. Because, um, s- s- for a specific example, my parents used to make us Halloween costumes. These over the top Halloween the pictures costumes. On your Instagram. Yeah, Amazing. and so what I remember is I remember doing brainstorming sessions months out, but then like the real work happened the night before. At, Wait, like, that's so cool. Twelve your, to three a.m. Your parents invited. Was it you and your brother? They invited oh, yeah. you guys to family brainstorming, brainstorming like drawing that. tissue sessions. That's it was so like cool. an agency before I even knew what agencies <laughs> yes. processes yes. were. I know. I know. I know. I, I don't. Think think we were that self-aware to realize that it was just kind of fun at the time and so um but but yeah I remember that the sort of like critical parts of those projects happening in the middle of the night Mm. hearing my parents you know cursing themselves as they're burning their fingers on that you know hot glue (laughs) gun and so I think um that's when I kind of got this sense and it stuck with me throughout middle school high school and college that you know, you could pull an all-nighter, right? Mm. And in college then, that's when I kind of just really doubled down on how far you can stretch the all-nighter. So I remember in college doing like, two like two nights in a row which wow that just are you that like hallucinating at that point you're delusional yeah you should not drive you should not do yeah. anything um it's completely ridiculous um and i think then maybe i'm rebelling against that so mm. it, so i used to be a big procrastinator right i would pull all-nighters now i'm like the opposite of that right. i like getting stuff done so i think i'm truly haunted by the memory <laughs> like of staying up all night and just how terrible your body yeah. feels after that you really feel terrible you crash course, um, yeah. and so I think uh, after doing that in a world where you sort of have hours that are mandated by a force other than yourself right I said okay gotta make some changes and that was kind of the start yeah. that's it's really interesting that work helped you to be more regimented yeah. because I think a lot of people feel the opposite like they kind of have their act together and then mm-hmm. they start working and they kind of lose sight but I'm I kind of I'm kind of like you like I yeah. think having work and the work schedule helps you to kind of maintain everything around it it does it does I mean if you lived in a world where you had truly a nine to five job, I imagine you could have a great degree of routine and regularity yeah. in your life. I think one of the things that probably draws um, people with our personality to our job is that you have a little routine and that yes. you, you, you vaguely know <laughs> what part of town you're going to every day right. and you know what industry you're working in. Right. But uh, aside from there, each day could dramatically vary and change that morning and so I think we have um just enough to keep it kind of crazy but right to keep us on our toes yeah keep keep us on our toes my approach to wellness and health is testing and adjusting I always tell Mm -hmm. myself this like just test and then adjust test Mm -hmm. and then adjust and it's allowed me to figure out what works for me and what Mm -hmm. doesn't work and as you said you don't know what works until you test something and it fails horribly (laughs) Are there things that you're kind of actively testing or have you kind of perfected your formula? I think if I said I perfected anything, I would be a delusional (laughs) human being. I just think it's really, really hard to... I mean, I guess, um, well, probably also because as of late, I've been focusing a lot on sort of um, the more, uh, the aspects of Buddhism that are a little more secular and blend Mm. lend themselves well to sort of mindfulness and self-soothing. One of the main tenets and principles of that is when you sit down to sort of meditate or have a mindful moment, begin again. So you're Mm. always, that's kind of that, it's a phrase that comes up a lot. So you're always beginning again because in any moment when you meditate, your attention is fleeting, right? In Buddhism, one of the only things that is known to be true is that everything is always changing. Right. So I think that aligns 
perfectly with your approach of sort of testing and moving as you go because I think we know for sure that most of these things, even if we have some routine in our life, Mm -hmm. um, the world is changing rapidly. We work in an industry that's changing rapidly and we know that based on uh, human nature, we're changing Mm -hmm. rapidly. So I think you have to be pretty fluid in your approach. I think you can have some sort of default indicators like I try to stick to this type of food or go to bed at this time-ish, but right. there's a lot of ish in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I think you have to be yeah. flexible, otherwise you drive yourself crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's just a recipe for defeat. I mean, if you look at sort of um, happiness, right, such a debated concept, what makes people happy, mm-hmm. I think we know that what makes people not happy is having an expectation, right, in yeah. your head and then not meeting it. So if you approach life with a degree of rigidity, that's just a recipe for that, yep. right? Yep, and I think yeah. this is a perfect segue into the discussion about New Year's resolutions. Oh, because yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. December now, and every December, you know, you see these trend pieces, people talk about it, what are your New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. going to be? I found a quote from Oprah. The quote is, uh, <laughs> cheers to a new year and another chance for us to get it right. Uh-huh. And the reason why that stood out to me, it's to your thing about begin again, mm-hmm. right? People see the year as this kind of like definitive bookmark and everything that I didn't get right this year, I have next year to get it right. Mm-hmm. The reason why 80% of New Year's resolutions fail is because people make really lofty goals that are unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And then, as you just mentioned, that failure, even if it's mid-January when you start to fail, it just becomes like you just feel defeated and you're yeah. like, I've given up. Yeah. Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I think if I believe in resolutions, period, or self-improvement, then sure, I believe mm-hmm. they can happen at New yeah. Year's. Yeah. I also think they can happen in February. Restricting <laughs> yourself to New Year's as a period to make changes mm. is just unnecessarily yes. tough. On, I mean, I think self-improvement has to be approached with a good degree of Um, gentleness and understanding that there's so many variables that can cause one to deter from the projected path so um, by restricting a time around which you know improvement can be made that's just one way to possibly feel defeated when no defeat should be felt yeah I love what you said (laughs) about gentleness because it reminds me of this was maybe three or four years ago, four years ago, mm-hmm. um, when I was thinking about New Year's resolutions. I just moved to London, and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do all these things. And I read this advice about how the best resolutions are adding something to your life rather than taking away. So mm-hmm. rather than saying, I will not eat carbs and junk food ever, yeah. you make a resolution to eat two to three servings of fresh vegetables mm-hmm. every single day. And that feels a lot more enriching and fun. And yeah. Fulfilled. Like you, to challenge yourself to do more of something good is a lot gentler than forcing yourself to like, you know, get rid of a horrible habit or never right. do something. And yeah. I think uh, the truth is it's really hard to sort of make sweeping statements on how change is made for specific individuals because we're all motivated by different factors. And even I, you know, have, and I like to think I'm somewhat self-aware in this space, I've looked at times when I've successfully versus non-successfully made changes, and it's still somewhat of a mystery to me. <laughs> There's no you like, know? clear pattern. I yeah. read about this so much. I read so many different wonderful blogs and books on human beings and how we decide mm-hmm. and how we make changes and the power of habit. And, right. and even that, and even looking at a scope of like a 10-year period in my life when I made major changes or when I successfully like, you know, started exercising or did things, it tends to be pretty situation and context specific yeah. and contextual. So like Equinox, that was I had I happened to have a lot of friends who were going to Equinox. It was like the right offer at the right, right. time. And location-wise, it was close to work. It right. wasn't like it wasn't anything that I could have specifically plucked out of one article. It just happened right. to be a combination of factors in my life that right. led to it. So 
I think it's tough because you can really drive yourself crazy at, you know, thinking this is what will cause me to make a change. Instead, I just know some general tendencies that I associate Mm -hmm. with habit formation for me. And I recognize that at any given time, there's a whole bunch of other variables that are going to cause it to be kind of a crapshoot. But yeah, you keep trying. (laughs) That's so interesting how we all kind of study ourselves now. Like I think about how much data I have on myself. Like I've got my steps every day. I enter my like uh, food on my fitness pal. I can Mm -hmm. see how many grams of carbs I ate. I can see how much I slept. Like we have all this data on ourselves. I don't, I don't really know. I guess I'm just doing it out of habit because I feel like it's that whole thing like you can't uh, manage what you can't measure. So I'm like, okay, let me just keep measuring these things. Mm -hmm. But what is it all really? I I think it's helpful to the extent that we find it helpful. Mm, That's true. If I was on a program where I was being managed by like medical professionals, then, oh, that's so wonderful that now Apple has a health app that kind of like integrates all of our other apps and they could sort of log in through here. I just upgraded my phone yesterday and I was looking through and I actually had for the amount of interest in health, I had a shockingly low awareness of all the (laughs) bells and whistles available to me. I turned it on and I remember essentially thinking about what you were just talking about. Oh my gosh, there's so much more I could be doing. Right. I have gone through periods. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. It's where I've tracked stuff more. Right now I'm not just because I don't on my plate. Right, right, I don't need right. to I don't need to track more. I don't right. want another assignment at the end of the day, but that's because I'm sort of kind of following I'm in a place where I can kind of uh, follow my gut on choices, but at times when I've sort of at least felt like I've fallen off the track more or, you know, maybe felt like I hadn't been eating as healthy, then it's great to know the tools are available. Yeah. Just it's almost like all not driving yourself crazy with so how long have you been meditating well meditation i think i've always been really interested in um psychology right and so uh one of my majors in college was psychology and i think even in my role in the workplace i am doing psychology just as it relates to brands and Mm -hmm. consumers so at one point when i was thinking of becoming a therapist um, I got really interested in types of therapy and there's a, and this is where like if any scholar were to listen to this podcast, like you can't take my word as truth because <laughs> I have fine. not studied up on no this in many here. years, but there's different types of therapy. And one was by a woman named Marsha Linehan, who was, um, I believe she had, a, I think borderline, uh, personality disorder mm-hmm. and she developed, um, kind of a derivative of CBT, which is cognitive therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is more about changing the way you think and develop this therapy called DBT, which is, I think it stands for like, um, dialectic behavioral therapy. And basically her therapeutic approach took a lot of the elements of Zen Buddhism, right. And incorporated it into how to sort of, um, approach difficult situations. It was a lot of self soothing, Mm -hmm. uh, different theories in it were things like radical acceptance, which is like very 
you know, AA, like accept the things I cannot change, the power to know the difference, that things like wise mind, which is the sort of central place where rational mind and emotional mind overlap. Mm -hmm. A lot of people call it intuition or gut, Um, understanding introversion and extroversion. So her techniques, I think, when I, I remember studying that, sort of seeing that and seeing those sort of more secular aspects of Buddhism and meditation was... Um, a component of that over the years as I sort of followed that you've seen this kind of evolve into like mindfulness therapy Mm -hmm. and different um, sort of approaches to meditation that are much more so I guess to answer your question in a in a more concise way my interest in psychology always sort of got me um got me thinking about it because I've always been interested in the brain, what happens when it goes off the rails and how people get it back on Mm -hmm. track. Um, But then as it sort of became a bit more of a, once wellness kind of became a sort of cool thing where it was, you know, pervading other parts of our culture, it almost like put it much more front and center on my radar because it was getting at it in all aspects of my life, not just my sort of like side interest in psychology. So, um, so, you know, when I joined Equinox and then meditations offered at Equinox, then it sort of starts to come back. So what's that like at Equinox? You just sit in one of the fitness rooms, the lights (laughs) off and someone talks. Equinox is now, I don't want to turn this into an ad for Equinox, but (laughs) this is not, this is not a promoted ad for Equinox. Their yoga offer, is wonderful in that it's a, most of the studios are designed so they have a separate sort of yoga area versus yes. fitness yeah. areas. The mindfulness area does feel very um, zen with the right props and tools to get you Got there. Um, I'm just continuously overwhelmed in New York City by the amount yes. of meditation and mindfulness that's yes. available to I us. Know. I mean, it's there's been, with any sort of resurgence of a trend, there's another wave of backlash that comes in. Yeah. So. Um, I think some people who probably were into mindfulness way ahead of the curve might, you know, on one hand be so happy that it's getting much more exposure and another hand feel a little bit sad that it's become a little commercialized and diluted and maybe even cost prohibitive for Mm -hmm. some people. Mm -hmm. That's something that is certainly very anti-Buddhist in its nature. Right. You shouldn't have to be able to pay money to meditate. Yeah. But but I think... um, Overall, I'm just thrilled with the fact that the offering is cropped up in yeah. such a diversified way. You know, what are the biggest benefits for you? Sure. Like, what have you seen change since you've started meditating? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think one thing I'll mention about meditating is it doesn't really get easier. I think you can. That's yeah. that's the whole begin again thing. So there's some days where I feel like it's um, really difficult some days where I feel like it's easier some days where I just can't stay awake when I'm meditating (laughs) and I also don't meditate for incredibly long periods of time sort of like fitness I need to be in a room with people if I want to do something like for a longer period if I'm doing it on my own you're talking about like a five to ten minute like super approachable time period since I started I think I'm just much more appreciative about um pausing and the power of pausing Mm -hmm. in general um and sort of the uh cult of busyness how that's actually something that's not um appealing or attractive to me anymore i think it translates a lot into different aspects of our life mindfulness um in eating sort of like the ability to eat more slowly that's when i'm always still working on i you always shovel food like it's going out of style. But uh, but I think, you know, in a corporate environment, pausing before reacting, writing mm. emails, that's been really helpful. Mm. I remember I, I think I remember meditating and then noticing an upswing in my ability to like think before responding oh, to things yeah. in, which, a, in which, a bigger way. Which aligns with Don Draper's uh, amazing yeah. Mad Men finale where he oh, was meditating yes. and got the idea for the co-commercial. Yes, yeah. I can yeah. see it helping with kind of creative thinking. It, and- it certainly helps with creative thinking. Um, and I think overall it's just, it's also just the act of doing it sort of puts a stamp on the fact that it's a priority in your life. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed that I talk about it a lot more. I've surrounded myself with people who are interested in it. Mm. I've also noticed since I've become interested in it that like 
way more people than I ever thought might be interested in it are interested in it. You could do like a team meditation thing. That would be so fun. I mean, and what's interesting is it does really seem to touch all aspects of my life. Like um, I'm on a school board for the high school I went to. Since joining the board, I've been interested in the fact that they now have a wellness director at school and they're using, um, you know, wellness and mindfulness techniques at an early age in a very sort of small and applied ways to not distract from the school curriculum but but there's really like nothing that wouldn't benefit from a little bit of mindfulness i think the important thing is just to kind of make sure that it's not um put too much on a pedestal right like mindfulness doesn't equal happiness it just equals like self-awareness and you know so being in the moment means experiencing all emotions right um i think it's just like it's a way to find a little bit more balance, which is a really hard thing to find. Yeah, especially in this city. It's not a cure-all by any means, but it's almost just like a continual reminder that your life is worth uh, valuing and your mm-hmm. self, yeah. I guess. I don't know. You you seem very peaceful. I would expect you to be a meditator. If you're yeah. not, you must be channeling it somehow. <laughs> I, I used to meditate, and mm. I stopped because I didn't know if it was really doing anything. And that goes Mm. back to, I think it's a problem with always wanting to quantify results and say, okay, so this is the time I put in, what's the benefit of it? And you can't have that approach, I think, for meditation. But I think that I've tried to employ like mindfulness in other things. So I cook maybe pretty much every night after work, I'll come home and I cook. That's incredibly impressive. (laughs) And I use that as, I I really think it's like mindfulness cooking. Like I, like I don't let anyone talk to me. Like I'm just chopping the vegetables slowly and simmering and listening. Like it's very, for me, it's, and also like when I exercise, I take that as like time to connect with my body. So I try to make those opportunities to connect. To me, that's, that's doing it. I'm, I'm really not a purist. And I remember for many days thinking, you know, before I started, I was, I was testing, I was trying and adjusting, testing Testing and adjusting. And so I remember having a hard time fitting it in and doing like a 20 minute meditation. I just thought, wow, that feels really prohibitive. And, um, so I would do things like on my walk to work, try to just be mindful for 10 minutes, just observe the sights and sounds. And there is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier, being gentle to yourself Mm -hmm. and sort of just um, not being too hard on, you know, if you define mindfulness as something that has to happen, um, like sitting in a certain position on a certain, you know, time of day, maybe that works great for some people. For me, it doesn't. And I would guess for a lot of people who are just trying it out, uh, that would... Yeah. your recipe for feeling like so I'm really excited to ask you about this because I know you observe a lot of trends and it's <laughs> in your work and then also you're personally interested in it in the beauty and wellness space what are the trends that you're really excited about or is there a single trend that you think is really interesting sure so I mean we've talked a lot about mindfulness and meditation so that's certainly one that's of interest to me um I think in general, um, one thing that I've gotten a lot more into lately is um, sort of the quality. I read this book called The New Health Rules by Frank Lipman. Oh, yes, he yeah. Is, what I loved about it was the book was like really large font and very short. There okay. was like one one line of like page, just like try to eat more vegetables. Yeah. Like, try to do X and it I loved that it was not um, overly detailed in what you should or shouldn't do it was very Mm -hmm. principle based it did tell you a few things though that were could be major life changes for some people like try to not eat dairy because our bodies Mm -hmm. mostly don't process lactose the way that we would like them to really tough for me because I ate a lot of dairy what I'm trying to do is eat less and eat better quality dairy, yes. right? He focuses on eating non-gluten grains, right? Without even going into the whole gluten-free you right. know, bag because I'm not that far. So I'm trying to make changes based on that. And, and so far, what I actually like about it is that 
in this crazy city where there's a billion options of healthy things to eat, it gives me a little guardrail. Yeah. So when I look at a menu, I can say, does that fall into yes. Frank Lipman's Be Well structure? Yeah, it was almost like, I think for a while there, there were so many wonderful healthy food options mm -hmm. and we're so privileged to have that, but it, it, I kind of needed a little less choice. So yes. yeah. I was into this book and his sort of philosophy and that it makes our choices a little bit easier. Yeah, um, It's like definitely that. not a diet. It's just a sort of uh, articulation of principles. You can, there's nothing I write down, nothing that I'm mm -hmm. referencing. It's just things I think of in my head. Um, and so, so yeah, so I've been into that lately um, for sure. I think one other thing is that um, I'm just so into the fact that talking about beauty and wellness is like, awesome and a yeah. lot of people are interested yeah. in it now yeah. you know that was something that just so surprised me over the years I feel like um most of my friend gatherings now now I look at times when I get together as friends I'm like is that a women's wellness circle <laughs> <laughs> um and so uh so yeah I'm just excited by how like common these themes have become that's really yeah. wonderful yeah. I, I hopefully it bodes well for I mean there's so many parts of America where um, hunger is actually food insecurity, right? Where yes. people just don't have access to information about nutrition right. or yeah. nutritious food. So I'm hoping that if we're seeing this sort of um, pop up in cities like New York and LA, that we can start helping you know the trend make its way to the parts of america that really need it yeah no that's that's very yeah. true yeah. any <laughs> trends that you really don't like or that you you know want to see disappear so i mean i can't i don't know i can't say i really hate anything because we when we talked about this before i think um especially with uh changes in fitness and eating which are such personal things yeah. you have to I, I think it's really good to maintain a wide spectrum of trends because you know every every uh pot's got their lid right, right <laughs> and right. so um but I think ones that are generally um too negative in their reinforcement I think that's mm. one I'd like to see eventually phased out I mean um what would boot be? camps where trainers yell at people it's tough yeah. it's tough because i think you know that can be effective per se and i remember seeing that there was an app at one point where you you had to pay for not going to the gym oh and yeah I've i heard remember about thinking these. that's really effective um but i don't know i i, I guess for some people it works but yeah for me i've found that a little bit like is that really the best yeah. way to think about this? It's not that gentle or kind to yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in one aspect, I know for a lot of people that the gym is a way to get aggression out and they don't want to, <laughs> they don't want to get wrapped in a blanket. <laughs> they don't want to be part of a wellness circle. Yeah. Yeah. They just want to, you know, vent and get their frustration yeah. out. So I don't want to take that, um, sort of yeah. edge off for yeah. anyone else. And I love, you know, like slamming it down in a good workout session just as much as the next person. So I can't say I hate anything that much. I mean, restrictive you're very, dieting. You're very kind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, yeah. it, I, over the years, you just sort of learn to not, be that way. Not judge other. Yeah. And, yeah, what and works putting it people. in perspective. Yeah. I think restrictive dieting is pretty tough. And that's one thing that I think is generally less trendy, but, um, it's tough because it's not really sustainable. Right, like counting calories. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, and I think, um, I don't think it's a problem for people to roughly know what is in the foods that they eat. Like, mm -hmm. there's no issue in knowing how many calories is in an orange or whether it's a right. high-sugar fruit. Right. It's just like balancing that so you're not overly obsessed. It's being realistic. Trends that aren't realistic. Yes. For, a lifestyle that's what I would like to see fade away <laughs> yes I, I wholeheartedly agree with that yeah what about you what do you hate oh gosh there's so many things <laughs> like, I'm like how do I choose I'm like not not as kind as you yeah. I think um 
have you heard about waist trainers? Oh my gosh, I saw that. I saw that it's in the uh, Dwayne Reed the other day. Honestly, frightening. Yeah. I, speaking of Dwayne Reed, and I, I, <laughs> I think that one of, <laughs> one of the things that I find to be a troubling trend are everyday women doing their hair and makeup as if they're like on a red carpet. Wow. Like when, and Amy Schumer has a great joke about this, about how women have to do so much just to look normal and like yeah. men basically have to do nothing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there, and you can blame the Kardashians, you can blame all of these YouTube tutorials, right. but I do, I do see that women are becoming increasingly made up mm-hmm. and like glamorous yeah. and they feel like they have to have fake nails, fake hair, eyelash extensions, contouring. Right, like when did that become a thing? Eyelash extensions. Right, like everyone is mm-hmm. has become so preoccupied with like being glamazons in a way Mm -hmm. that and I always think about American beauty versus the way Italians approach beauty or the Mm -hmm. French and I think one of the things that for me really defines American beauty is this natural like it's the healthy looking natural girl and I feel like we're moving away from that and no one really wants to look natural anymore. I mean it's such an interesting point that you bring up and I guess um, now that I'm thinking about it I think with the sort of uh, the freely uh, disseminated information that is spread thanks to technology in the digital age. I think things that were normally relegated to uh, movie stars, yes. right? tricks of the trade, right. that previously would have been the Kardashians and only the Kardashians right, right. and their stylists are now made available yeah. and en masse. That's why I can walk into a place and have the knowledge and wherewithal to ask for eyelash extensions before I probably wouldn't even like realize that's a thing that That celebrities are doing. I'd just be like, why are their eyelashes so long and mine are so short? And so, um, so I think that, uh, the options, the proliferation of options available to us is certainly overwhelming. And I think, um, unless you have a really good filter, it's easy to get kind of sucked into that maze. I think it is, I think one of the things I've always viewed sort of makeup, there was a time in my life where I actually did want to be a makeup artist. Really? You're very good I at makeup. Younger, I, I always notice your makeup's well, very pretty I and interesting. I think the approach is I love doing it with my fingers and I look at it like it's like art and mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. and you're playing. Yeah, you do and nice expressive. I love also not wearing makeup because makeup is time and it's work. <laughs> yeah. And some days I don't feel like doing yeah. that. So I, you know, I think... I will dress super down some days and then up if I feel like it. Right. I agree with you that maybe I, I, I could not be in an environment where there was an underlying pressure to yes. um, go Glamazon every day. Some people thrive in that. I think for uh, most people, uh, you know, it's probably a tougher standard, but thanks to fast food fast fashion and other resources you can dress like a a movie star every day if you wanted to probably for 20 bucks right i just don't have the uh interest in yeah in exploring that i think you bring up a great point about one feeling like you have the option yeah and two makeup being fun i also love makeup and sometimes it's fun to put on you know red lip and sometimes it's fun to do something new with your hair but uh, one of the things that I worry about, especially for like younger girls growing up now, is when it doesn't feel like an option, when it feels like yeah. a must, yeah, and they're not doing it to play with their pretty features, like, oh, the color of my eyes looks great with this eyeliner, and it becomes, mm-hmm. how do I correct? How do I cover up and conceal and change the shape of my face? I know. Well, thank goodness for Alicia Keys and her natural look. Now, every time I'm not wearing makeup, it's now like a yeah. a, 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 statement, a statement, which I love. Yes. I yeah. love that. No, thank but, you, um, Alicia, but, for making but, yeah, us feel better. I mean, I think that when um, when you look at there, there was actually a video. I don't remember who put it out. I think it may have been BuzzFeed. Um, and I love BuzzFeed's videos, but this video was, the topic was so funny to me. It was boyfriends see their girlfriends without makeup for oh the first God. time. Did yeah. you see that? I and I kept thinking for the first I time, know. like for the first time, <laughs> how know. is that possible to date someone and have them not know what you look like mm-hmm. without makeup? Of course, the reactions were all very gracious and complimentary as they should be, but um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I think uh, we want to make sure that people realize that these are add-on bells yes. and whistles yes. to have fun with and make yes. you feel good about yourself. 
Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it has to sort of be like put into its place yes, in yes. general. But, but the things you can do with makeup are amazing. Yes, they are. And, and so fun and yeah, it's an opportunity thankfully to Thankfully for yourself. makeup artists, like, I mean, I remember poring over those books by Bobby Brown, who mm-hmm. was a big proponent of, like, natural be- you know, beauty yes, makeup that yeah. enhances your features. Kevin Aucoin, he yes. was very I much... I his book. It's a making faces. Making it faces, was yeah. Amazing. It's amazing. He, like, yeah. he could make, you know, person A look like person yeah. B. Just yeah. and, and to me, I was thought... Wow, that can show you makeup as sort of this like transformative art. It's fun and you can channel it when you want. But as a mandate, no, I don't think it should exist like that. (laughs) This is my last question. I ask all of my guests. Yes. (laughs) When do you feel most beautiful? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, Because I think it happens, at least for me, in glimpses when I'm usually not expecting it. but I think for me, it's it's funny. Okay, so I'm going to describe this like esoteric time of segment of time. It's if I get ready for an event. So when the makeup's fresh, for example, mm-hmm. that's like it's like just on your face, and you're like, okay, wow, someone applied a layer of something that's like alien. <laughs> it's usually like after a few hours, right? Mm. When like you know, I've had fun. I might've applied a little glitter because I love (laughs) glitter. I always have, but then you're starting to see sort of my natural face a little bit. And I'm making it sound like I wear like gobs of makeup. No, I I, really don't. I a hundred percent know what you mean. And a lot of people who get their makeup professionally done, they'll say to shower after so that like, like it kind of settles on your face. So I know you mean, it's sort of like when, so it's not fresh and you start to come through a little bit. It's like kind of that, that twilight, that sweet yes, spot. I know when exactly like, what you mean. You've enhanced your features, but it's really settled in and you're coming out. I mean, if I was to tell you, like, I feel the most beautiful right after I work out, I'd be lying. <laughs> I might feel physically great, but yeah. like, no. So I think if I'm being totally honest from a sort of vanity perspective, that's probably when I feel the okay. best. <laughs> a few hours into the makeup being done. I like that. Yeah. I, can, I can relate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the second time period, I would say, is like at the end of the night when you come home and you like basically like you know at the end of the night your jewelry just all of a sudden yes. feels super heavy yeah you just want to break like, everything all off. of a sudden yeah, yeah all of a sudden each Bra of your off, each of your necklace are, feels yeah. like it's a thousand pounds exactly. you're like how have i been wearing this albatross all day <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i think when you take that off then sometimes you look at the mirror at the end of the night i think maybe at least for a woman that for me is something where i remember seeing my mom at that mm, point yeah. and noticing how beautiful she looked yeah and so i think that's kind of the glimpse in which I'm like, wow, we're lucky to be women and get to play dress up. Yeah, we are. That's a perfect note to end on. Thank you wonderful. so much for Thank coming. you for having me. Wonderful. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 